You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Wilson. I'm the Executive Director of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. And today on LibertyCast, we're going to be talking about some libertarian misconceptions. So one of the biggest ones that we get a lot of flack for and feedback on and sometimes inappropriate questions in certain debates is about legalization of all drugs. I think it's important to the distinction of legalization and decriminalization. Legalization would imply that it is lawful for you to do this uh, and are, are protected on doing it versus decriminalization, which means you're not punished for doing it, not necessarily protected from doing it in general. So you could have uh, regional laws that would say you can't do this within the city limits, you can't do this within uh, bars, whereas a full legalization would then apply you know, certain protections with it. But one of the biggest things that we focus on is decriminalization of all drugs. Now, we get a, a lot of traction with uh, marijuana, medical marijuana, and related things. We have chem- cannabis and hemp, which are two uh, of the same different strands of, uh, of the same plant. One has all the medical and getting high properties, and one is mostly inert, but is used for industrial purposes. And those industrial purposes are actually really interesting to delve into. Anything from hempcrete to uh, hemp fiber and other production purposes, uh, even under uh, national security interests, hemp is actually listed as a strategic uh, uh, source, particularly for the Navy, because of the tinsel strength, the inability for it to rot, uh, non-conductivity. So it's actually very important uh, and as far as military purposes is concerned. And as of right now, we actually have to buy that from overseas. But back to the stuff that gets you high and the things that are most concerned about with people that are looking at the laws and what are being changed nationwide. So you have the medical purposes which are out there, and then you have the recreational purposes. Most people have no problem with the medical purposes, which is being discussed in Washington, Colorado, California, and even in Georgia, we've already had steps in place for uh, drops and other cannabinoids within Georgia legislature, and we're actually looking at increasing that within the state. Well, the recreational use gets a lot of pushback because people say it is going to be a gateway drug to the other drugs that uh, people are really concerned about, which have no uh, medical use at all. The concerns for those drugs in particular are not, they're not viable because as of right now, if you drive while drunk, then you're endangering people and driving while under the influence or driving while intoxicated is illegal. You don't need additional laws for that 
for people on marijuana. If they do that right now, it's illegal. If they did it if after it's legal, then it's it would, uh, if the uh, recreational use is legal, then driving while under the influence will still be illegal. Same thing with any other drug. When you uh, look at the concerns on uh, other people, like kids having it, uh, the, the restrictions on who can have it and who have a access to it and who can buy it, those concerns are still addressed by current laws and current things that we regulate. Cigarettes are, is illegal to own by people the under the age of 18. And yet kids w are under the age of 18 still uh, manage to get it. But we have punishments in place for people who give cigarettes to the, uh, uh, the underage people. Same thing with alcohol. It is illegal to buy alcohol for people under the age of 21. This would be no different with any other drugs that would be decriminalized uh, if we went through that process. So having those concerns that saying that this would be readily available for people everywhere is kind of ridiculous to even think about because we have already have those laws in place. Then we talk about, well, because we have those, then uh, it'll be easier, because it's legal, we would have easier access to the kids to be able to get a hold of it. As of right now, the state of Georgia regulates over 300 different opioids. This includes uh, things like morphine. So we already have a process in place with oversight within the state in order to make sure that these dangerous drugs are not getting in the hands of kids. You don't hear about kids getting overdosed on these prescription drugs. There's no difference uh, in this instance where we cannot have some type of oversight and regulation in order to make sure that uh, people who are selling this and people who are getting it are taking the proper precautions to make sure that this is not getting in the hands of people who should not be using it. Now let us get to the drugs that are much more... Uh, have a much larger connotation. Things like heroin, cocaine, and other things. These have no medical purpose. And there's a lot of concern that there would be epidemics after these things get decriminalized. First, Portugal has already decriminalized this. Uh, uh, decriminalized all drugs. They've actually saw a decline. Because of the nature of the drugs itself, the illicit nature, the it the fact that it's illegal, it has a draw to people. So by making it legal, it's no longer cool. It's no longer has that uh, illicit attraction that people are drawn to in order to want to use it. So that interest tapers off. The other part is what we've seen when we have needle exchange programs, when we have clinics and other things. We see a drop in usage because... People, because of the illicit nature, because it's illegal, because if you try to go into a hospital for help because you're now addicted to a drug, you will be reported, arrested, thrown in jail. So you're less likely to actually go out and seek help when these drugs are uh, criminalized in the way they are. So if you decriminalize them, an individual can go to a hospital, go to a clinic, and actually seek help and actually get off drugs. And this is what Portugal is actually saying. People know that 
the drugs that they have are damaging them and is it is hurting them and that they will actively seek help in order to get off of them and this is what we would like to see uh nationwide in uh in the united states because what we on the flip side what we see is people being targeted specifically for these laws they offer additional uh ways to try to um basically crack down on it and they want to uh, provide extra legal uh, basically jurisdiction on a uh, part of police and judges in order to uh, control this because we've had the drug war since the sixties and uses essentially have not changed. The flow of drugs has not changed. Manufacturing has gotten more complicated. So the whole process is harder to keep up with. And so we keep providing more and more powers to police and municipalities in order to uh, combat the drug war. And so what we see is the incentives provided by local and federal governments in order to try to, uh, you know, eliminate the drugs in general. And what we get is things like civil asset forfeiture, where people who have cash on hand can have their money taken and not have any recourse on getting it back whether or not that person had drugs on them or not. You have uh, police departments who are now getting outfitted with military-type weapons in order to conduct drug raids. And these uh, raids are on people which they have very little evidence on whether or not they have drugs. So you have additionally no-knock warrants, which then put not only the resident at risk, because... If you raid my house, I've never done drugs. I don't do anything illegal to be prepared to have my door kicked in. I'm at risk of getting killed because I'm going to defend my home against a home invader. Even though that person is wearing a police badge, I don't know that because it's a no-knock raid. There is no process of which to know that uh, this is a... Uh, police officer entering uh, my house essentially illegally because I have not done anything wrong. And then that puts citizens' lives at risk. And people have died because of this. We had a very uh, recent incident where a flashbang was thrown into a crib of an infant. And that is a very scary incident on any level to have a grenade thrown into one's bedroom to go off when, especially with, with a child, but to, to know that you or no one else in the house have done nothing wrong. They've got the wrong address and wrong house and no evidence for it. And then much, uh, almost no apologies even written out for it uh, or repercussions to the officers who did this. There's no accountability for this. So you have an increased amount of power in order to, to enforce drug laws, but you have no oversight or constraints on it. And so you have this increased capacity for police to do anything that they need to do in order to enforce the drug law, even though they, are, they don't have any evidence or any uh, proof that you may be 
using at the time or have used in the past. Furthermore, you have the ability for, um, uh, if you do decriminalize, for these uh, uh, people to get uh, not only get help, but to offer alternatives for police officers who do get in dangerous situations with drug users. Uh, this is one of the um, less talked about problems that we have when it comes to the drug war, where we do have people who are high at the time and that are dangerous and are threats to themselves. And then that puts both the officer and an individual in a very dangerous situation. This requires specialized training in order to de-escalate the situation so that both, pe both parties involved come out alive. The training coming out of these academies for dealing with uh, uh, drug offenders is not that. It is met with force. It is met with uh, uh, violent action, which has resulted in the death of people who are just high at the time. They, they're essentially no threat to anyone but themselves at the moment and could be isolated, but the officers are trained to neutralize the situation as quickly as possible. And this puts uh, the officer's lives at risk for engaging the individual and also puts the user at risk. And this person could be in a clinic or could be seeking help or could be offered medical treatment by calling in other departments, uh, EMTs, or other things. So the, the training from one end to another is meant to treat people as suspects, to treat them with force, uh, and then have you as a citizen to prove yourself innocent after the fact. But then on the off chance things go south, you could lose your life or your property, and then you have no recourse in order to rectify those wrongs. And so these are all the dangers and these are all the barriers that we have with the current drug war that could be solved with decriminalization. So not only could you de-escalate police violence, you could lower the risk of innocent people uh, getting targeted unnecessarily with violent force. You could reduce the number of people on drugs by offering them a way for them to actually treat help without having the risk of losing their freedom or liberty. And you can actually overall reduce the drug usage uh, across the United States. The problem can essentially help solve itself if we allow it to if we treat drug usage in a compassionate way as more as a uh, an addiction rather than as a legal problem. And many law enforcement agencies agree with this approach because, again, this is putting law enforcement lives at risk unnecessarily. And we should be focusing much more of our efforts on people who are actually committing violent crimes against other people. And also by decriminalization, by eliminating cartels and the illegal trade, 
you also decrease uh, the violence on that level as well because you do not need extra legal protection on your own racket, uh, on your own trafficking, uh, because uh, then that escalates uh, police involvement. So you could also um, uh, eliminate a lot of the criminal element uh, and a lot of the danger that is posed to people w- between dealers and traffickers that we have currently by decriminalization. You could stop trafficking from going across the border by decriminalization and growing it here, providing more businesses and also additional sales and potential tax revenue, but more importantly, uh, drugs from traveling across the border. Because it's being produced here, there's no reason for those drugs being brought brought across the border uh, from South America and other outlets um, across our borders. Hopefully, people take a good hard look at this issue because the safety and security of every person is at risk every single year as the drug war keeps growing. And we have this discussion nationwide on the use of medical cannabis and recreational use. Because if we in Georgia criminal, uh, decriminalize and legalize medical marijuana, you could still have instances where a person legally has the access and availability to use a drug, but then be targeted by police as a, uh, a criminal and then not be, uh, you know, might not come out alive on the other end of that transaction. So there's a lot of education that needs to be involved on that and the approach that we have with stigma with drugs. So I hope that uh, as the next legislative session moves in and we see much more uh, medical cannabis, uh, decriminalization, and hemp bills reach the Georgia legislature, that we encourage those individuals on those committees to take a good hard look at providing a safer environment for you know, actually addressing the issues that are plaguing millions of Americans uh, across the United States, but also in Georgia. And then we can actually start solving issues instead of creating potentially more. If you want to find out more, uh, check out uh, check us out at lpgeorgia.com. Uh, take a look at some of our posts. Uh, we try to post uh, weekly and... Uh, if you want more information on these uh, these topics and how you can help, maybe with education, lobbying, or with other nonprofit organizations across the state, contact us at inquiries at lpgeorgia.com. You can contact me personally at executive.director at lpgeorgia.com. Or you can go to our website, lpgeorgia.com, and contact any one of the people on there or look at your local affiliate and how you can be involved. So thank you guys. Uh, this is LibertyCast. Again, I'm Nathan Wilson. I'm the executive director. Follow me at Twitter at NathanNumber4Liberty or check us out at LPGeorgia.com. Thanks. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin McLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.